Check, check, check. Testies, testies. I have two. Testies, testies. Starting out with something controversial there, Ben. <laughs> How is it controversial that I have two testicles? <laughs> I would say that's incredibly average. <laughs> and accurate. And accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, consider this right here, right now, to be a disclaimer. Right here. That sound effect in the background, that, that's the disclaimer. We're talking about controversial movies, and we make no apologies. I was going to ask you if you wanted to say anything controversial to get us started. Looks like I did. No, well, no, I don't, I don't think I did. <laughs> Me actually wanting to see them might be controversial. controversial. <laughs> Considering the fuss you made when he touched my boob, <laughs> I would say it would be. Squeeze these, Glenn. <laughs> We're going to talk about like, all kinds of maybe contentious, problematic films on today's show. And like I said, make no apologies for it. I'm really looking forward to this. Get stuck into some, eh? <laughs> I found it... Look, I, I when looking into this, I was actually trying to find like controversial films to talk about that were controversial for different... Like, not just for, you know, extreme sex or yeah, violence yeah, or... Yeah. Just movies that were stupidly controversial because of some, you know, nonsense I've, I've political... I've come up with the goods for that. With that. I failed in it. I failed <laughs> miserably. I've just... I've got movies for sex and violence. <laughs> That's right. Not, That's not really controversial, just, I was, you know, edgy. Yeah. I mean, look, I was going to talk about... There's a film called They Made Me a Fugitive, uh, starring, I think it's Leslie Howard, um, which is all about this, this guy who comes out of the... I think it's, I can't remember if it's after World War One or World War Two, but he comes out. He's a he's a like a, an officer. Yeah. Comes out of the thing and gets involved and like willingly becomes a criminal until they kind of go too far and start pushing drugs and he kind of backs out and gets into trouble. And the controversy at the time was they couldn't believe that a, you know, a, an officer would willingly become a criminal. That was the controversy. <laughs> You're, right. You're like, oh. well, you know what? I'm going to try and trigger you a bit later. Oh, okay. Let's see how that works. But um, maybe we should welcome people. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Good Movie Monday. You are listening to the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. Glenn Cochran here. It's good to be with you. Ben Helwig also. How is it going? I haven't asked you that yet. It's going well, and it is also good to be with you. <laughs> good. Well, I should hope so. Otherwise, what a task. What a task indeed. <laughs> week after week. It's, it's masochistic, mate. Um, I enjoyed on. it a lot more when I was just uh, zooming in. No. <laughs> There's a lot less hassle then. No, well, that is, no that's but, not true at all. Well, it is theoretically, yes. It is. Well, it is. I mean, it is. It, it, is, it saves me a lot of money on petrol. Anything that's not at home is no. Yeah. No, a problem. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, like I haven't stopped working from home since the pandemic, so it is good to get out of the house at least once a week. Hey, I do that for you, mate. What are yeah, friends for? That's what it's for. <laughs> um, before we jump into things, I want to really quickly ask you: uh, since we last spoke on last week's show, you attended. The Astor Film Bazaar, which in uh, in uh, release day of the show terms, that was actually two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. So, and how did it go? just the previous Friday, mm. this this Friday, <laughs> this last Friday, it's actually Joel Brady's uh, birthday. So, happy birthday, Joel. A belated happy birthday. A belated happy birthday. Happy birthday, mate. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and if you want to hear him promote the Film Bazaar that you didn't go to, <laughs> yeah. or did... And go back and have a listen. He was it, a good guest, and it was it was a fantastic market. It was we were jammed in there like sardines because there are so many people. The photos speak up. for themselves, uh, and it was great. Yeah, what a boost uh, to the confidence that is. Because how nervous would he have been going into that? And we know he kind of was, you yeah, know, especially considering the last uh, movie market that was held there two or three years ago. Yeah, it, it had got down to like 10, 10, 10 people. Mm. You know, and their pets came in, and that was it. <laughs> but uh, no, look, I went in. I went in there with a hundred dollars in my pocket. Fifty dollars of that was to pay back a friend. <laughs> yeah. I managed to spend three hundred dollars, and then I had to borrow the fifty dollars that I just paid back the friend, 
And I spent that as well. Well, you can pay him back on the next film, but fair. <laughs> That's right. I cannot run into this person again until uh, the next movie market. Well, no, congratulations to Dead End DVD and Joel, of course. Um, if they if they do it again, and they will, everyone should get along, and I'm sure we'll promote it again. Um, moving on, naturally, uh, our friends are going to be here. Jarrett Gunn from Monster Pictures is going to come along and then fill you up with uh, all the... Oh, he'll fill you up, all right. All the movie releases for the week. He's going to fill me up, I can tell you, because uh, there's one particular banger I'm looking forward to this week. <laughs> I'll tell you soon. You The puns have just got a bit out of control there. <laughs> okay. I'm sure he made out well at the film bazaar. Yeah. Uh, he, I believe he did. I think... He... <laughs> I think he was. I think he was a bit uh, physically uh, traumatized by it at the end because of all the work he did. <laughs> well, we should have had him on the show for some uh, relief, like a, a report. We should have just done a live broadcast from the from the uh, bazaar. We could have just gone upstairs and done it. Well, I believe. Uh, I believe we were invited to document to do it. that very thing, <laughs> and we said no. Well, I, I, sorry, Joel. I didn't get back to you, mate. <laughs> But I, I didn't even turn up. And look, that's my bad. But look, I've I've got an aversion to these things. I don't know what it is. It's just because you're not into physical media anymore. Well, it's because I just don't have the money to spend. And it's depressing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would have liked to have caught up with some people. But anyway. <laughs> and look, but look, if you're not into physical media, there is no reason to go. Like, it, or you just go and hang out at the front if you I just mean, want to catch you up. You know, people. but looking around, I love physical media, but the problem is I just can't afford the good stuff. You just that I don't want do it anymore. Yeah. Anyway, uh, also coming up, we've got Guillermo from uh, Screen Realm. He's going to run you through this week's movie news. And then, of course, the Kentuckians from uh, Bonehead Weekly podcast have a few things to say about today's theme. Um, have you been keeping up with the Boneheads lately? Uh, I like to keep up with the Boneheads. Yeah, they've been doing some good stuff. They've been deep into the whole Scarefest promotion at the moment, being Halloween month and Scarefest coming up. I really would like to go over there for Scarefest. Would be good. Uh, I know just... a lot of people involved with Scarefest, and if you and I went over together, we would uh, we'd bloody have the place, mate. We'd make a an impact. That would be not. I mean, look, hey, all I have to do is fall over to make an impact. <laughs> but I would love to go. The only I've been to America, I think. Four or five times now, but it's always to the same places. Yeah. Yep. So it would be great to go somewhere different. So head just just not. Uh, I wouldn't want to go to Florida. At heads the up, Scarefest! If you want to fly us over as guests, where uh, we're on board, we would a hundred percent drop of a hat. Yeah. I've got, my passport is ready. Yeah. I've got the seatbelt extender for the plane. I'd fly economy. It'd be fine. That's right. And you could promote us as like Good Movie Monday, Monster Fest as well. Like there's a whole, anyway. We'd put on a show. <laughs> we we'd, would. We'd fill up Hall H. That's a lie. <laughs> but we'd, uh, you know, we could host some events. We'd work. <laughs> we'd work for our for our flights. <laughs> I don't even know where this is going. No. Only a, a the, desp- bone, the boneheads are coming up. A desperate plug. Let's. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you said desperate plug because I'm about to talk about Newsly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so every week you hear me talk about the Newsly app and I want to just sort of talk about it right now because um, we think that this is how you should listen to the show um, every week. Get this app onto your phone. It's They call it a super app, meaning that it, you, know, you can kind of tailor it to your desires if you like you know, movies. Obviously, people listening to this do, but you might like science and political affairs, whatever, you can just put that into your uh, criteria and it will then just find the highest trending articles based on what you like. And then it reads them to oh. you. So it's one of those computerized computerized voices that's very natural sounding. And so, yeah, get it. And if you um, if you want to give their premium service a go, because it is a free app, we have a code. It's Monday without the O, M-N-D-A-Y. You get a free month of premium on us. So I reckon everyone oh, give that a shot. It. But yeah, so Newsly, N-E-W... S-L-Y, um, put it on your phone. That's how we want you to listen. Of course, if you don't want it, it's on every other app as well. <laughs> yeah, just just listen, like, review us, but also check out Newsly. Yeah, well, what we're getting at is, you know, we're partnered with them and, you know, you'd be doing us a solid. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I'm sick of doing my own solids. <laughs> you can also keep up with us on all the social medias. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok are the places to be. Um, but Ben... Today's theme, let's get to it, controversial films. What comes to your mind when you think controversial films? That's a good question. My mind has just gone blank. So do you go to, say, no. you know, the, the top ones would be like Clockwork Orange and things like that, Salo? Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
the video nasties. Yep. Probably is 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 a is Hugely a big one. Those. Uh, those and yeah, look and then the things like the things usually with actual sex in yep. them or Caligula. The Caligulas, your nine songs, your. Um, I'm glad you brought up nine songs. I was nearly going to recommend that, and I chose not to. It's just too much, too much shit music, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> controversial opinion, right there. Oh, come on, no, there's a live um, set from Elbow in that one. Q. Uh, what are the other ones that uh, you know? And then things like Basic Instinct and yeah. and stuff like that, and Showgirls. I think when it comes to Australia, we have. Um, we have much riper pickings, right? Because we went through the video nasties like the UK did, but America kind of didn't have that wave of everything was banned. Yeah. And we, you know, down here for a long period of time, at least a decade, you couldn't get anything. There's a lot of stuff. You, there's still a lot of stuff you can't get. You can't get the sequel. The, the sequel <laughs> I call it the sequel when it's completely artificial. Yeah. The sequel to Patrick, Patrick 2. You still can't get that here. That's I right. mean, I used to work, I used to work at, at uh, Alternate Worlds. I don't know if I mentioned that on the show <laughs> a couple of hundred times yet or not. But uh, we used to have trouble getting in the graphic novel for From Hell. Yeah, yeah. And that when the movie came out, and it just kept getting stop it, stopped at Perth. Yeah, right. And it would take eight. Like Someone's we had got a great collection order. over there. Yeah, they would have like 13, <laughs> and these were massive trades. Just have a massive collection of them, oh, you know. Well. And who hasn't? Who hasn't, you know, ordered the dodgy stuff from eBay? Yeah, yeah. And then got the lovely letter from Customs saying <laughs> this stuff has been held. Yes, uh, I had to... For your, uh, own pro- your own protection. I think I had to buy Pink Flamingos <coughs> twice <laughs> because yeah, <right>. of that. <laughs> uh, let's get stuck into it shortly. First, let's throw it to Jarrett, see what's coming out this week. There are this. There's an exciting movie coming out this week uh, for me. <laughs> hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now I'm going to start this week with Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. What have they got coming out this week? Well, one of my favorite films of the year, The Black Phone. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, and it's coming out in a collector's edition. This one's got an audio commentary, it's got two deleted scenes, three featurettes, and even features a short film by the director, Scott Derrickson, titled Shadow Prowler. Also out from Universal Sony, Where the Crawdads Sing, it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Sniper Rogue Mission, it's coming out on DVD only, but is that a surprise, Glenn? When was the last time a Sniper movie came out on Blu-ray? Then, last title from Universal Sony from the Paramount catalogue making its 4K Ultra HD debut locally is Adrian Lin's Fatal Attraction. Now, this one's porting over all the special feature content that was on the previous Blu-ray release, which includes an audio commentary, rehearsal footage, alternate ending and trailer, plus one new special feature, filmmaker focus, Adrian Lin on Fatal Attraction. Moving on to Disney, they're releasing Heat on 4K Ultra HD and 2-disc Blu-ray as a combined package in a steelbook that's exclusive to JB Hi-Fi. Now, this is the Michael Mann Heat, not the infinitely better Burt Reynolds film Heat. Moving on to Umbrella, they've got a ton of releases this week, but I'm going to start with Spotswood, which is making its global Blu-ray debut as part of the Sunburnt Screen series. It's got as an exclusive the soundtrack CD as a limited edition, and there's a ton of new special feature content, including Memories of Spotswood, a brand new featurette with cast and crew. Then there's a feature-length audio commentary track that's brand new also. This also includes the alternate US cut of the film, The Efficiency Expert, in HD and in 133 to 1. In addition to that, there's some legacy extra features on there as well. Also out this week from Umbrella is Sons of Steel, making its global Blu-ray debut as part of the Beyond Genre series. Now, of course, director Gary Keaty was on a previous episode of Good Movie Monday talking about the film with the boys, and this one is completely loaded with special features, and as always, Beyond Genres, it comes with a slip cover. Then the last release I'll mention this week that's coming out on Blu-ray from Umbrella is Cloak and Dagger. It's coming out in a deluxe special edition, and it's even got some special features that weren't present on Vinegar Syndrome's 4K release in the US. Of course, this is the classic directed by Australian Ausploitation auteur Richard Franklin. Anyway, that's it for me for this week, so until next time, stay physical. Well, there you go. My week sorted, Ben. Of course, Sniper, Rogue Mission. (laughs) Yeah! I will be buying that this week, and I cannot wait. And uh, do you know the most exciting news is the fact that um, Part 10 is in the works as well. They're never going to stop making Sniper films. Never going to stop.
I can't wait till till uh, Mark Wahlberg falls so far that he <laughs> like replaces Billy Zane as well, the, one of the snipers. This is the first installment without Billy or Berenger. Or Berenger, yes. either of them. They can't even. They couldn't even get him for like a five minute in the office. <laughs> God damn it! I said take out that target. This one uh, has you know, Chad Michael Collins and Dennis Haysbert. They're the only two you know recurring okay. characters that come back. But I don't care. It's all about Chad for me now. It's the yeah. Chad man. It's the Chad. He's. <laughs> He was on the show, what, a year and a half ago to promote the last one, and I want to get him back on. Was it a year and a half ago? Yeah. That makes me feel a little sick. (laughs) I was on the show at that time. I can't believe I've been on the show that long. Yeah, and that was, what, the eighth installment, and that was my favorite of the Sniper movies, that one. Anyway, Anyway, thank you to Jarrett, keeping us up to date there. Much appreciated. So here we go. When it comes to controversial films, I, I feel like in today's climate, political climate, anything that's made pre 2010 now is. You know, problematic and controversial. Yeah, like it all pisses me off to be honest with you. Like, and I understand that you know this coming across might sound insensitive or whatever, but I was reading a Variety article last week, and they never a good idea. They listed ten problematic films that could use warning labels. Yeah, I'm going to read these to you, or some of them anyway, and see what you think of these. Uh, I'm going to give you the reasons why they need warning labels according to uh according to Variety. See how you think about that. So, Dirty Harry. Yeah, this one came up quite a lot when I was researching this. And I, for the life of me... Do you know why? No. They listed because it mocks liberals. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God. Forrest Gump. Because it's condescending to anybody with a disability. And it's hostile towards activists. (laughs) Could you imagine that warning? (laughs) Hostile towards activists. Well, it this... would They couldn't sell enough copies. <laughs> well, this next one, like, we've all known it's been insensitive since the day it got released, but Temple of Doom now needs a warning label because it portrays negative Indian stereotypes. Thuggy cults and all this. I mean... How is that a stereotype? <laughs> They're not wobbling their heads and no, offering you know, people curry. No, the feast with the monkey brains and the snake, snake delight or whatever. That stuff. That's a f- like I don't understand how it's offensive if it's legit. I've been to Asia. Yeah, <laughs> bringing that Kill Bill music. Like they eat different things. Yeah. that we find distasteful. It's not offensive. Okay, this is working great. I'm so, right. uh, I told you I'd be triggering you. I am. <laughs> I know. I am triggered. I'm One, infuriated. Once upon a time in Hollywood, because this is legit. Because it's about two middle-aged white guys longing for the old days of Hollywood and its lack of diversity. <laughs> if only people could get a visual representation of what's going on at the desk right now. Ben's making I, funny faces. I don't understand. <laughs> I just spat water all just... over Ben. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Legitimately went everywhere. Everywhere. I, that is, <laughs> that's the first water spit at the table. Of the table, yeah. Fuck. I that that boggles my mind. <laughs> Sorry, it's everywhere, man. Uh, Silence of the Lambs, because of obviously the uh, the trans depiction. They they call it trans depiction. I don't. I caught a serial killer that cross dresses. Yeah, like that's his. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's trans at all. It's just a guy that likes to dress as women and feel like women. I mean, yeah, but he like, but even even if he wants to be. Trans or is trans doesn't represent the whole community. Yeah, just like if you kill people to do it, Ted Bundy doesn't represent straight guys. No, <laughs> I mean, well he does. Well he does these days. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't matter. I mean, it's so. I'm not going to go through all of these, but one more: <sighs> True Lies, because the Arab characters are terrorists, or the terrorists are Arabs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck Delta Force. Like, <laughs> if you want to go in that direction. But the characters in it are, are terrorists. Extremists. They're yeah. extremists. Only t- only terrorists can play terrorists in movies. Otherwise, it's discrimination. Absolutely. We're taking away roles from legit terrorist actors. Correct. <laughs> you know, this reminded me uh, a few years ago on our YouTube channel. We did produce a short-lived series called Before Their Time where we got two millennials to react to problematic films of our time. Yeah. And 
I mean, Soul Man, for example, like that's something to you know look back on and be a little bit you know upset about. But all these, other I don't ones... understand. I mean, I don't even understand that. Like, it's problematic in the film. Like, they address the problems in the film, and yeah, exactly. Like, that's the whole point of the film. James Earl Jones is in that movie, yeah. and he defends his character for the exact same reasons you just did. Like, <laughs> I, t- I, I mean. <laughs> It is worth just getting off the internet for things like this. Well, I know. We've just done a... We're doing a whole show dedicated to it. Yeah. And you're swimming in my spit. Sorry, dude. Just can't stop looking at it. <laughs> it's everywhere. Now, that's controversial, particularly in a COVID time. Anyway, um, I thought that might piss you off. <laughs> I just I just find these things to be so ridiculous. The world is full of a never-ending string of choices that people can make and i mean it's just a matter of making a choice not to be offended i mean like it, it's like, it's like you know millennials you know finding friends friends offensive because they're they're homophobic in it <laughs> well that's not the only reason they're offended because of the lack of diversity that they're a group of white friends but all of my friends are white i know like Sudanese people, all of their friends are Sudanese. Like, it's just, America is eighty percent white. It's like so shock is, horror that the networks cater to the majority of the audience. Correctly, like correctly, like, correct. Like it is just the nature of society. Like, like <laughs> yes, diversity is great. They, yep. you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't have shows that appeal to different audiences. But why can't that also be the case for <laughs> the majority? And hey, two of them are complete idiots. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we've uh, I think we've said enough I, I, on that. Just uh... yeah. Look, time to calm down. Maybe wipe the desk. Throw it over to Guillermo. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from Screen Realm. That's ScreenRealm.com and Screen Realm on YouTube. Be sure to check us out. We've always got the latest movie trailers, movie news, and interviews going up. As always, I'm here to tell you a little bit about some of the movie news stories that have been reported on in the last week. Kicking off with Viggo Mortensen making his second film as director. Mortensen will soon be directing and starring in a western love story titled The Dead Don't Hurt. The film will also be starring Vicky Creeps, whose credits include Paul Thomas Anderson film Phantom Thread and M. Night Shyamalan film Old. Creeps will be starring as fiercely independent French-Canadian Vivian LeCaudi. She embarks on a relationship with Danish immigrant Holger Olsen, played by Mortensen. After meeting Olsen in San Francisco, Vivian agrees to travel with him to his home near the quiet town of Elk Flats, where they start a life together. However, the civil war separates them, leaving Vivian to fend for herself in a place controlled by powerful rancher Alfred Jeffries, to be played by Jared Dillahunt, and his violent wayward son Weston Jeffries played by Solly McLeod. Danny Houston is also on board playing a corrupt mayor who also supports this powerful rancher. Holger Olsen returns though and with him brings challenges that their relationship must overcome as they confront and make peace with the person that each one of them has become. This is to be the second feature film as director for Viggo Mortensen. His first film was called Falling and that was in 2020. That film by the looks of it really didn't get wide distribution. Cameras on The Dead Don't Hurt will start rolling on October 12th in Canada. A feature adaptation of the hit video game Five Nights at Freddy's has been in the works for quite a while and it's kind of been stuck in development hell until now. A director has been chosen. Set to direct the film is Emma Tammy, whose credits include 2018 horror film The Wind. In case you don't know much about the Five Nights at Freddy's video game, the plot follows a night security guard as he begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes the gig is no easy one. The animatronic animals that entertain the kids play their own sinister games at night. It's a pretty successful game franchise with 8 games in the mainline and 6 spin-off games as well as 5 fan-created games. The Five Nights at Freddy's movie is heading to a 2023 production start and it's going to be produced by Jason Blum at Blumhouse. Remember that 2001 Rob Schneider comedy called The Animal? Well, it's getting a sequel. The sequel is being set up at Fox's video on demand platform Tubi and will have Schneider back in the main role and also directing, producing and co-writing the screenplay. According to Deadline, Rob Schneider will be reprising his role as Marvin, who is now retired but gets into another accident and has to again be put together with new animal parts. He goes on to take a baddie who is threatening a village. The animal sequel is going to be starting production in early 2023 and will be released on Tubi sometime in the same year. 
Jared Leto is to star in a biopic about acclaimed fashion designer Karl Lagerfeld. He was known as the creative director of French fashion house Chanel and was also creative director of the Italian fur and leather goods fashion house Fendi. He passed away in 2019 at age 85. A number of the fashion icons trusted confidence will be on board as executive producers of the film and they're currently in conversation with directors. Carl has always been an inspiration to me, says Jared Leto in a statement. He was a true polymath, an artist, an innovator, a leader, and most importantly, a kind man. When we came together with the Carl Lagerfeld team, we immediately shared a creative vision of doing a respectful ode to Carl while pushing the artistic boundaries of what a biopic can be. A Spawn movie has been in the works at Blumhouse since around 2017, but it looks like it's actually finally going ahead. There's a new trio of writers on board, Scott Silver, known for Joker, Malcolm Malcolm Spellman, known for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and up-and-coming scribe Matt Mixon are on board to write the screenplay for the feature film, which will have Jamie Foxx on board as the anti-hero. Malcolm Spellman had reportedly been circling the director's chair, but it looks like, as of now, there's still no director on board. Spawn was a launch title for Image Comics, and as many may remember, there was a 1997 film about Spawn starring Michael J. White. This new Spawn has been coming together for quite a while, so I guess we'll see what happens here. That about does it for me everyone, thanks so much for having me once again, as always head to ScreenRealm.com or ScreenRealm on YouTube, we've got plenty for you guys to check out, thanks so much, catch you next week. What a good song that is. That's uh, Know Your Product by The Saints. That's from the 1998 Aussie film Head On. That was definitely controversial at the time. 
for those that don't know it, head on is uh, it's about a nineteen year old gay guy that, and, and the movie chronicles his addiction to drugs and sex and masturbation. There's a lot of that, and it's really graphic. I remember working the video stores when that came out, and um, yeah, I even found that full on, but I enjoy it. You found it head on. I enjoy it, and I I, I have it. No, it doesn't make no. sense. Notice how I brushed over that yep. until you brought it back up again. Yep. <laughs> They can't all be winners, Glenn. No, that's it. I've been spat on. Like the, yeah. <laughs> Nothing's no longer working like it should. In I'm general, like the Cherry 2000 doll. Yeah, it's not too hard to make a controversial film in Australia. I think we're so fucking sensitive down here when it comes to these I things. I think it's you're sensitive anywhere the internet I mean, exists. No, but, I mean, think about this. Like you make, you make a movie like Snowtown, people are up in arms. You make a movie like you know, um, Night Tram, people are furious. You fictionalise an account of Ivan Milat and people are outraged. And it's always, think about the families, think about the victims. It's too soon, even though it's 30 years, whatever. And yet, these are the same people that probably enjoyed World Trade Centre, Frozen Ground, anything that's not related to Australia and it's, you know, real victims. There's no problem supporting those. Yeah. Don't you reckon we're so precious about shit? <laughs> that's me getting triggered. Fuck me dead. I mean, like I saw the, um, I saw on, I think Facebook, maybe Variety or the... Um, the Hollywood Reporter, and they were talking about the Dharma yep. TV series it's on everyone's mind. And all you know, the article was all about how the one of the victim's sisters was like they used like my words like verbatim. I know, <laughs> like it was accurate. <laughs> and and you know, they're all like, I just can't believe they didn't pay you anything. <sighs> like that's what they're outraged about. <laughs> This company has made this show and they haven't paid the real people who were on the periphery. Far out, man. <laughs> All right, well. And that's the outrage now. I know. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it just seems like everything's an excuse to get outraged about something. Oh, this is a fun show. When, there's, when there are real reasons to be outraged. Like, why the fuck didn't dad take out the bin when it was full? He filled it up. He should have taken it out. Oh man, so uh, I'm going to recommend the movie first And um, I want to just add that my original recommendation was going to be the Necromantic movies Right? They're movies that are still banned in Australia But I also thought to myself, do I actually derive any pleasure watching these? Like, do I get anything from them? And I don't Other than them being completely shocking And I don't like censorship There's nothing in those movies for me Like, it's... Look, the end scene. The end scene of the first one, I think, where he, he stabs his penis and all the blood he comes, flows he out. Comes of his, it. He, he comes, comes his own blood. Yeah, uh, I mean that's a. It's a gusher. That's something to watch. Like it's it's an experience. I have shown that to many people. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, probably not. Do you know, even like if you um, I've I've got the DVDs right beside me, part one and two, and if you open the case, even the case smells like death. It's horrible. It's just an awful, awful experience. Anyway, I didn't go with those. I went for another awful experience movie, but one I actually get a little bit more out because out of because I just think it's a bit more timely and, and relevant. But it's a 2009 film, kind of obscure. It's called The Stoning of Soraya M. Have you heard of this one? Nope. This one stars Shora Adashlu, who was the... Um, she's played the main terrorist's wife on 24. I don't know if you remember season one of that. I have never watched 24. Okay. And Jim Caviezel is in it as well. And this movie AKA takes... AKA Jesus Christ himself. The controversial one and only. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this movie takes place in an Iranian village where Sharia law still exists. And it's the story of an American journalist played so by... So Iran. Caviezel. Sorry? So Iran. Iran. <laughs> That's right. And this journalist sits down with an older Iranian woman... Um, who tells the story of her niece, Soraya, who was stoned to death the day before. All right, So she's trying to get the word out that this happened. It's based on a true story as well. Uh, and the reason she was stoned to death was because her husband fabricated lies about her so that he could facilitate a marriage to a 14-year-old girl right, and wanted the first wife out of the picture. And, I mean, you can understand why this is controversial because uh, it's about a part of the world that, you know, we try to ignore these atrocities and you know, pretend they don't exist. And women do get stoned to death over there. And the way they get stoned to death is horrific. They get buried in the ground to their shoulders. And then everybody picks up rocks and just throws it at them until they die. And this movie shows that and doesn't flinch. Like it shows you everything to the bitter end. And it is one of the most horrific things I've ever, ever seen on camera. 
It's not something that you want to go back and watch again in a hurry, but it feels like an important film. I just, the part that I enjoy the most is that you preface this recommendation by saying, I was going to talk about the necromantic films, <laughs> but there's nothing in those that I enjoy watching. So instead, I'm going to talk about this film where a woman is buried up to her shoulders and has <laughs> rocks thrown at her until she dies that they th- show in graphic detail and the, the look of joy on your face. If you if you rewind, you'll notice that I also said <laughs> I feel that it's topical and relevant too. Yeah, the look on your face says uh, otherwise. Oh, the look on my face is because I love talking about controversial films, my friend. Um, <laughs> and the fact you're still drenched in my spit. That's uh, very, very amusing to me. This one It's was, raining outside and it's raining inside. This one was based on a best-selling book by a French-Iranian guy um, who's the son of the former Iranian ambassador, or war, and he's a war correspondent himself. So like it's an inside kind of source where the, the author yeah. comes from. And he's made a career out of exposing crimes by the Iranian government and things like that. And um, I just think it's a it's a really powerful film. It didn't get banned here, but you know, it, it's a heavy movie, obviously, just to watch. And um, the director has just gone on to make all kinds of political films as well. Uh, one called Infidel, which actually had a reteaming of Jim Caviezel and Claudia Carvin, oh. who were in Long Weekend together. And that one's called Infidel. Yeah, so another human rights exploit. Dealing with um, Egypt and Iran, but anyway, that's mine. The Stonian of Soraya M, a controversial movie, very well made, and yeah, there you go. So we're not going to go straight to yours. We're actually going to throw to the boneheads, and then we'll we'll pick up yours. Um, but I wanted to throw another list at you before we do this one from IndieWire. So this one's not from Variety. They compile a list of the most controversial movies ever made. Um, how many do you reckon you can list? Like, I've got a top 10 here. Can you name maybe three? Do you reckon it'll be on the top 10 IndieWire list? Most controversial films ever made, because it surprised me. Uh, well, I'm guessing Clockwork Orange is on that list. Yes. Uh, would Citizen Kane be on that list? It is not. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, would Salo, 120 Days of Sodom, be You've on that list? Two, yes. Uh, In the Realm of the Senses? Nope. Caligula? Nope. <laughs> Maybe on the top 50, but... Uh, want me to count them down backwards? Yeah, right. All right, starting with 10. One called Poison from 1991. Bonnie and Clyde. Warren Beatty. <laughs> Is Wild Bunch on this nope. fucking list? Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> Viridiana, which is a 1961 film. Freaks, the 1932 film. A Clockwork Orange. Birth of a Nation, that's a fair one. Salo. Triumph of the Will, that's obviously a fair one. And then The Last Temptation of Christ is the number one most controversial film ever made. Because heaven forbid. <laughs> Literally. Heaven forbid <laughs> anything blasphemous uh, comes out. I know. Anyway. Anyway, let's start to the Boneheads and we'll come back with yours. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. And we're talking movies that are controversial. These movies will come in, take away your kids, put them on ass, and have them listening to that damn rock and roll music and not listening or doing their chores. They'll get on they'll get on that reefer. They'll be on that reefer, and you won't be able to get them off that reefer. And these damn movies will just melt the minds of your children's children. They'll get them pills. You, you go know your first. Your- Pretty much everything you said was thrown at this movie. I'm talking about Dogma, Kevin Smith. I never even, I still don't consider it controversial. I don't consider I, it controversial. And I lived through it, Chad. I, yes. You and I lived through it. And I don't consider it controversial. Yeah. I can remember people being very, very upset about it. Like, I, remember, oh. I can remember going into the theater to see it and people being, you shouldn't go see that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I never experienced any of it. I don't, I don't even think there was protesters outside the theater that day, but I know that there was protesters at the theater that I went to to see this movie. Uh, uh, if you're not familiar, so Dogmas from Kevin Smith, it's right up there with my favorite Kevin Smith movie of all time. Uh, he is an important director in my life, but um, it's all about these two angels who have been banished from heaven who are trying to work, uh, trying to find, they found a loophole that allows them back in. And if they get in, it destroys all of mankind. And, and you know, it's all about the, this this group of ragtag people trying to stop them from happening. That is a very horrible, but we only have five minutes. It's a horrible description. But the reason it caused so much controversy is it's all about, it. it takes, it pokes at religion specifically Catholicism. There's the, the Catholic Church changing uh, Jesus Christ into Buddy Christ, uh, another disciple who's, ha- uh, uh, sorry, an apostle who happens to be African-American, 
God is a woman. And it threw everybody in an uproar. There was protest everywhere. The funniest story is there that a news crew in New Jersey was was covering the, the protesters and Kevin Smith disguised himself. Didn't even disguise himself. He, he didn't disguise himself. That he just, literally, he just, you know, you he stood in the middle of the crowd and got interviewed and talked about how terrible this movie is. <laughs> it's one of the best clips ever. You can find it on YouTube. All it did was make more people watch it. Nowadays, nobody even, it's not, it's not even controversial. It was just a funny movie for the time. And if, if you haven't seen Dogma, God, it is worth a watch. Are you I, watching I watched Good Movie Monday. I was like, why are they watching Good Movie Monday if they've never seen Dogma? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's my pick, guys. Go for it. Go ahead. Mine, mine's more obscure. Mine, I'm going to talk about 1980s Al Pacino starring, and people forget about this movie completely, directed by William Freakin's Cruising. Cruising caused a lot of problems because not only with the regular community, but a lot of gay right groups came out against this film. Cruising is about a cop played by Al Pacino who is investigating the serial killer who's killing gay men at these at these gay clubs and it's based on loosely based on a real an actual book and it's actually slightly based on real stories that were actually happening in new york's meatpacking district where they would where these clubs gay clubs where gay men didn't feel comfortable other places and would go in and have sex with other gay men and do whatever it was and all these and all as james would say and all the other things clubs were owned by the mafia i don't know if you two know this but mafia owned almost all of these and freaking actually became friendly with a couple of the mafia folks so he could get access to these clubs so that he could actually go in and shoot some of the scenes watch it today and it's still it's not a stigma on homosexuality at all it's more of a just it's a dark dark movie and it still makes you feel a little bit grimy the only other movie that i've ever well i won't get into it but it's close to one of the most kind of grimy filming uh, grimy feeling films i've ever seen so cruising 1980 you can actually get it on a couple of like roku premium youtube premium still i have a copy of it but cruising it's one of those freaking films that no one talks about I, i've Go got talk th- about your movie from 1920 i've got three that came to mind and i literally am torn Pick between one them. we've got five minutes I, I i'm torn between browning freaks it's very controversial to some of people the time. Still today it's still creepy uh and and then uh, uh probably the most disturbing film i'm torn between west craven's last house on the left and peck yep. and paul's straw dogs there you oh go God, those you are just, the ones yeah glenn and ben need to have something to talk about on this <laughs> well they probably should stop inviting me uh to do anything matter of fact i don't know why i get invited anywhere anyway but no all three of those four or five how many i mentioned they should i mentioned passion of the christ too let's just screw it at all but there you go those oh are the ones God, that were controversial <laughs> And anything directed directed by Greg Araki in the 90s, like totally fucked up. Those all those movies really grimy. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Benjamin, we're going to throw, we're going to squeeze two in here because I I squeezed past your first recommendation. I apologize. (laughs) But let's thank the Boneheads, of course. Yes, definitely appreciate those uh, those movies. Cruising, very uh, (laughs) controversial movie. Taught me your. Everything I need to know about handkerchiefs in pockets. <laughs> uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, go listen to the Bonehead Weekly podcast. You can get them on any platform. Watch them on YouTube. It's fun. All right, Ben, what's your first recommendation, mate? Well, look, it's, look there, is, there are a lot to choose from in this category. <laughs> and yet I found it quite difficult to actually pick anything. <laughs> but I'm just, funnily enough, I'm looking at your uh, DVD shelves, which are right in front of me. And I can see the most controversial film. Well, actually, it's probably not the most controversial film I worked on, yet it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, Thanatomorphos is sitting over there. It certainly is. Which has some fantastic artwork designed by moi. Which is the most controversial aspect of it. it well, not really, but it's just that JB Hi-Fi don't give a shit about content. <laughs> they give a shit about packaging. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened with that one. Because the cover of it, it's, it is all about this woman who rots starts to decompose. like she starts to the more she rots the hornier she gets yes and the more she wants to fuck even though bits of her are dropping off while yep. she's doing it yep. and stuff and uh, so i was like yeah let's let's i found this great stock image of this um <laughs> a, a, a girl uh girls like in her underwear yeah her, and I'm like her hands are down her pants and and well no the we added that i was like so put the hand <laughs> in yeah and then do another. So we, and then we did a slipcase with the hand out right. to appease JB. 
Oh, all right. So the, the slip case was the safe one. Yeah, the slipcase was a safe one. When you opened it up, the hands are in. Yeah. But the idiots at Griffin didn't sell it that way. Yeah. And it was banned from JB. <laughs> and then three months later, they just went, yeah, right. <laughs> With the slipcase? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. They just went in. Um, and the thing was, we released that at the same time we released Maniac. Mm. And I convinced them to let me do the slipcase, which was expensive. Yeah. Because I'm like, we're releasing Maniac. It's going to be huge. So we can actually afford to spend a little money on this secondary title because we'll have the, it'll be covered by yeah. the Maniac sales, uh, which it was, I think, but it was still an expensive release. But that's I'm not going to talk about that. Well, there you go, a little bit of insider information for everyone. There you go, yeah, just uh, <laughs> on the on the uh, machinations. At, what a great uh, insiders uh, podcast we would do. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd just be naming names. Yeah, um, but instead. <laughs> So instead, I'm just going to talk about, I wanted to talk about movies that I thoroughly enjoyed watching. And this one is possibly my favorite of the Video Nasties uh, films. It is uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie Flesh Eaters, or Zombie as it was released uh, here, or Zombie Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's just so much damn fun. Like the movie, the movie starts with a boat floating into New York Harbor. Uh, and when they go and investigate, there's a big fat zombie on it. <laughs> and it turns out that the, uh, the owner of the boat is the father of uh, Tiza Farrow. And uh, she is, whose father has been off on this um, island doing a research, like a, a kind of into the, into the native population. And now she's super worried that something's happened to her father. So she hooks up with this guy who's been in a lot of these kind of Italian movies. Um, uh, what's his name? McCulloch. Uh, Ian McCulloch. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, he basically, she basically kind of convinces, he's a reporter, I think. And he, he convinces him to go with her to this island. And there they kind of, they hook up with a, uh, uh, they take a charter a boat where there's a, a run by this couple who are like, who like uh, nude diving and stuff mm -hmm. like that, which is, you know, incredibly <laughs> great to watch. Um, but then they go to this island and the, 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 her, her, I can't, now I can't really remember if her father's there or her father's already kind of this still has, you know, has disappeared, but her father's partner is there. I think it's this doctor who's desperately trying to find the cure to a recent undead plague <laughs> that has savaged the island. And it's just like from the soundtrack to the eye torture, the suspense, the everything in it, the sleaze. Yeah, it's just so much fun. <laughs> like there, you know, there are some horror movies that are like designed to kind of make you feel a little sick. The tension, yeah. the constant tension, and the jump scares and all that sort of stuff. And this has its fair share of jump scares and all that kind of stuff. But it is just so much fun to watch. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it is like, there's a couple of Lucci, uh, Fulci films on that Video Nasties list, you know, things like The Beyond. The Beyond, don't get me wrong, has some fantastic moments, but it is not as, it is a bit more kind of, what? What, just, <laughs> what the fuck just happened there? Yeah. Whereas, whereas uh, Zombie is just amazing. And there's like five <laughs> sequels yeah. so-called sequels all of diminishing returns <laughs> yeah. but uh, the first two are pretty good I think the second one has I can't remember now if it's the second one or the third one because they fuck around with the numbering yep. quite a bit on these uh, but I th the second or the third one has a fantastic like banger of a of a soundtrack cool uh, but I think that one's kind of in the I think it was shot in the Philippines or something so all the zombies are like five foot tall <laughs> Uh, and the, it, it, you know, that was done on such a low budget that you like, even with, even though they're wearing makeup, you're like, hang on, they just killed that zombie <laughs> and he's back again. It's a zombie zombie. <laughs> it's a, yeah. He's just, the zombie keeps coming back in different locations on the island. <laughs> awesome. Well, add that to the, uh, add that to the letterbox list, mate. That's, um, that's a good one. Yeah. My watch is going off tap this morning, mate. Hell, it's trying it? to tell you something. Let's take this bastard off right now. And anyway, there we go. Sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unplug that battery. Uh, so I'm going to... My next recommendation, actually, I'm going to take a different tack with this one. And it's not that far removed from Chad's recommendation of Dogma. Yeah, I can't do this show without talking about Monty Python's Life of Brian. 
These fucking religious ones. Not only you. one of the great comedies of all time, uh, just a fantastic example of hysteria that can surround a film. It's look, the same as Dogma. It's another film where people who hadn't seen it complained about its anti-religious properties, its blasphemous properties that do not actually exist Exactly. The film. So the, the gist behind this and what Ben is sort of hinting at is there was a very heated argument between Monty Python... Uh, Michael Palin and John Cleese from Monty Python, and Mervyn Stockwood, um, who's an, a notable bishop, was a notable bishop in England, uh, on national television. It's an iconic... He's dead now, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. It's an iconic and almost historical moment. But firstly, the movie, let's talk about that. It is brilliant. It's the story of Christ as told from the perspective of the guy next door, Brian, right? Which in and of itself is one of the funniest concepts you can imagine, right? Yeah. And so... All of this outrage and condemnation that it's blasphemous missed the point that Jesus' story has not been altered in any way, shape, or form, but it's misunderstood by the people at the back of the events that, that couldn't quite tell what was going on, right? So yeah. their perception is different. And it is just a movie of comedy brilliance. And um, like you said, nothing about this was offensive, but the church really took a hard stance against it. Like, really, really, really came down hard. And by the fact that it's available on, it was available on VHS and DVD and theatrically, shows <laughs> just how toothless the church is now. <laughs> That's right. Thankfully. And, but that, I mean, I'm recommending this, obviously, for the movie itself, but I recommend watching that argument, that TV spot. I think it's about it's, 40 minutes long, right? It's on YouTube. It is on YouTube. It is absolutely thrilling to watch, and it's excruciating at the same time, particularly watching Michael Palin, right? Because he gets so fucking angry and frustrated at the stupidity coming from the church, right? Whereas John Cleese was fucking loving it. He was relishing every second, right? And he was like poking the bear. Like he just loved taking jazz. But you watch Palin and he was so uncomfortable, frustrated that all this love that they put into this film was misinterpreted, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's where my recommendation is. But also... He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think like it's... I don't think it's um, my favourite of their films, but I think it's their best one. It's it's really, really clever. But in turn, have you ever seen the TV movie? We may have talked about it called Holy Flying Circus, which is all about the making or the fallout of the life of Brian. No, I have not seen it. It is a fantastic film. Um, it was made by Tony Roach, the guy behind The Thick of It and Veep. And he made a, a movie about that. And the cast all look and sound like the real players from Monty Python. Yeah, right. And the reenactment of that oh, So it's argument. like the late shift or one of those kind yeah, of... Yeah, exactly. That, it's a British version of that. Yeah, and right. it is really good. Um, I highly recommend it to everyone. That's a, Let's add that to another recommendation. But uh, an yeah. unnecessary controversial movie. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it for the Pythons. Deep dive for the backlash and the giggles. Um, one more I wanted to add just real quick while we're on comedies. Blazing Saddles, mate. That's a movie they're trying to cancel today. <sighs> Why? Because there are racists in it. They claim that it's a racist film because of the racial stereotyping, but do they fucking misunderstand like everything about it and the fact that... The whole th movie is making fun of the, the racism. how stupid the racism is. Exactly. But apparently now when it's on television in America, it needs warnings. Like it needs, you know, a little disclaimer at the start. Never mind the fact that the movie was written by two black guys. One was Richard Pryor. And two Jews. The two most discriminated against uh, populations. Wrote that movie. Yeah. And if you watch it, there is nothing but that remotely... Matter. There's racism in it, but it's not remotely racist. But yeah. no, apparently Blazing Saddles is, you know, banned. Like, it, it should be banned according to a lot of, uh, lot of young'uns these days. <laughs> the good thing about young people is that eventually they'll grow old and die. <laughs> Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Eulorium. Eulorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Eulorium.com today to see what it's all about. Ed, before we go to your final recommendation... I want to reel off some more movies that are considered to be the most controversial of all time, just for the sake of covering as much ground as we can. All right. A Serbian film. Yeah. Baby, fu baby fucking, always controversial. Yep. Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Ku Klux Klan. Uh, Caligula. 
lot of deep throating. The the fun thing about that is that they yeah, they didn't tell the cast. <laughs> but then I I've, I've heard I've heard things that uh, Malcolm McDowell and stuff like knew. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of like huge that, cock in that film. Like, yeah, massive. well, it's because yeah when they when they when the legit <laughs> actors went home, they brought in all the porn performers and. <laughs> Did all that stuff, so they're all they're all like professional. Yeah. They're all professional stunt cocks. A lot of guys. a lot of lockjaw going on in that one. Yeah. Uh, well, some midgets, midgets. A lot of a lot of. Uh, so what are they? What are they? Vertically right. challenged. <laughs> what's the? What's the correct term? Little people. I don't know. What's not offensive? I don't think there it? is a correct term anymore. They're just people, uh, mate. They're just people. Uh, there's a lot of people in the film. <laughs> Nondescript, average, everyday people. Uh, Lolita. Yeah, I mean, for Frank Langella's penis as he runs down the hallway. <laughs> uh, Fritz the cat, that was pretty controversial. Yeah, because cat's fucking is incredibly controversial. <laughs> I think the fact that it was cartoon probably had more to do with it. Yeah, I mean, and considering that Fritz the cat's the one they've got a problem with when he made a movie called Coonskin, I know. and that's fine. <laughs> oh, we just haven't heard of that because we fucking only ever watched 10 films. We, um, we mentioned Coonskin on a regular, uh, recent episode. How's that? Two, two mentions within... Uh... A few weeks. That's pretty good. What was that one on? Oh, that was um. Oh, maybe it was a private conversation. I don't yeah, remember. Uh, what we're talking about Ralph Bakshi, uh, Tropic Thunder. Because of Robert Downey Jr. or because uh, Ben Stiller goes full retard. Both. Both. I don't know what. I mean, I don't. I don't think any are offensive in the context of that movie. But you know, what should we? Uh, what should yeah. we ban it for? Of the two. Just, uh, <laughs> let's just ban any movie that. Has anything in it, particularly Ben Stiller? Let's just stop making movies, stop writing books, <laughs> stop having TV shows, <laughs> shut off the internet, and just live in little bubbles where we don't interact with anyone. All right, now I've got you in that mood, mate. Do you want to go ahead with your next recommendation? Well, offend I mean, look, me, uh, mate. Offend me. Originally, I, I think I, I was. Uh, did I mention it before? I can't remember now if I mentioned it before, <laughs> but I was actually going to talk about the hunt. Oh no! You which didn't mention is, that to uh, me. Uh, which <laughs> is a fantastic, considering you know, <laughs> movies that are offensive to liberals. Well, it's it's, it's another one that's misunderstood. Uh, yeah, it uh, offends uh, both uh, sides, really. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great. Yeah. The hunt is a lot of fun. But instead, I thought I'd choose a a a, a proper controversial okay. film, like one that was controversial for for legitimate reasons. And that was, uh, and I should have uh, brought this up on my phone because I can't pronounce anyone's name who, uh, <laughs> who oh, made thank, the, the thank, film. Thank goodness. Uh, it is, I believe it's 2000's Bas Moi. Oh, yes. Which translates to uh, fuck me uh, <laughs> when when uh, translated in English. Although I had I did hear rumors that originally it was rape me. That's what people were saying it translates to. It, what does, does Google not. say? Google says fuck me. Okay. But it's actually bas bas and moi. <laughs> yeah. Um but this movie so this movie was uh was uh written and directed by uh Virginie Despentes uh and uh Coralie Trintai, who I believe was a pornographic actress as well as uh a filmmaker and a and a writer. And it stars um, Raphaela Anderson, who was a porn star, and Karen La- uh, Lancome, who was a porn star, who was uh, five years after this movie made, she um, committed suicide and is oh. no longer with us, unfortunately. But it's basically about these two women who are brutalized by uh, men. They, they're like, uh, Karen Lancome is a prostitute, Raphaela Anderson uh, get, get, is horribly raped at the start of the film. And like, in, and it's the controversy about this film was that the, all of the sex scenes in it, because they're both, they were both both the lead actresses were porn, porn performers. Yeah, all the sex, including the rape scenes, are all penetrative sex. It's right. all real. Yep. Um, but they basically go off on this kind of road trip together, where they, <laughs> where they kill who they want, they fuck who they want, they take what they want. Uh. It's a kind of a, it's like a French Thelma and Louise, uh, kind kind of film. Right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, did, I remember it, but I haven't seen it. I I saw it. I saw it at the cinemas here in Melbourne, uh, at the Lumiere in the city, <laughs> which it no longer exists. Yeah. Uh, it was a great cinema that had a, a support beam kind of right in the middle of the cinema that you had to kind of look <laughs> around. Um, the Como uh, has one of those. Yeah. 
very weird. Uh, but then shortly after, I saw it with a with a friend of mine, who who is now a bit of a social justice warrior, I have to say. Uh, uh, it was banned. It was banned, and Margaret Pomerantz came out and protested the banning, and it's Ken played, Park all over again. Played it, yeah. Oh, is this the one she played privately? She played, and then she got arrested for yes, playing. Yes, I remember. Um, that. Uh, and, and, and look, <laughs> when they the arrest film, you the for film playing a movie, <laughs> yeah, the film isn't, and yet Richard Wollstonecroft is still walking free. Uh, <laughs> the film isn't great. Like it's not the best movie, but it it, it actually is incredibly watchable. Mm. It's very entertaining. Once you get past the opening scenes, which is, you know, very much in that kind of irreversible yep. um, vein. And that happens, it does happen in the start. And then it kind of, it's like, it's like it's a rape revenge film. Yeah. But the rape is incredibly unglamorous and happens in the first five minutes of the film. And then the rest of the yeah. film is just them it's saying fuck you to society. Intentionally um, provocative. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and uh, you know it's still still banned in Australia, I believe. Yeah, can't right. get it here. I uh, but yet it's available in the UK, whose censorship laws are much more draconian than ours, for the most part. Yeah. Um. So I had to I imported it from the UK. Uh. To to see it's only it's only ever come out on DVD because it is shot on video, so the quality is a bit. Uh, yeah, neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like definitely worth checking out. Like it's a you know, it's a very interesting film. Yeah. If you can't find a copy, hit up Margaret. She's probably got one. She's selling them out of a bit of a car now at the uh <laughs> film bazaar. At the, I was gonna say at the Daniel at the Daniel Trash and Treasure Market every every Sunday. That <laughs> Ken Park kids. <laughs> they're all there. Oh my god. Patrick too. What do you um what are your thoughts on John Waters and Pink Flamingos in particular? I mean look <laughs> Yeah, look I, I can mean, say I was obsessed with Pink Flamingos as a teenager. Look, I never I never really found them that uh <laughs> appealing. Like I watch Pink Flamingos and you like you're like, oh yeah. Okay, divine. <laughs> sure, it's gross. That's that's all it is. It's it's not offensive. It's just gross. Well, I mean, she does give her son a blowjob. <laughs> there, there's a, a chicken that gets fucked. There's uh, the classic uh, anal dance or anus dance, I should say. Yeah, that's just funny. <laughs> yeah, the, it is. The, the ass dance is funny. Yeah. The, the helicopter <laughs> stuff is funny. <laughs> The, it's just the it's. I mean, the only thing that really sticks out in my mind, really, out of all of that stuff, is the shit eating, the oh, dog yeah. shit eating, which which was always divine. That was always divine shtick. Like you know, when she used to claim that she was the most disgusting person in the uni- in the world, <laughs> and anytime anyone would would say no, she she'd, it, she'd yeah. literally just go out in the street and eat some dog shit. I know. I love that. That was like you know the end of the movie, right? So shock them right at the end. But also the fact that they, they actually wanted her to pick up a massive turd and like munching it like a Mars bar, but they couldn't get the dog to shit. So they gave it laxatives and it just <laughs> came out loose. Just loose. <laughs> it's gross. But I was obsessed. I watched it religiously as a teenager. In fact, my high school yearbook, uh, my sign off is... Glenn Cochran. I walked out of that joint dancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I signed off the year with um, as soon as I'm out of here, I'm directing Pink Flamingos too. That was uh, that was my decree. Uh, never happened. Um, I have to say, I, I enjoyed um, Pecker. Pecker's good. I, I thought I enjoyed Pecker. Like, yeah. Alcohol and pubic hair don't mix. I think I feel like that was the last actually good John Waters film. I think I've enjoyed movies like you know Dirty know, Shame and things like that. But I mean, because what, but. I kind of feel like there wasn't that many after. I mean, Pekka, Cecil uh, be, um, be Demented, and and Low Down Dirty yeah. Shame. Yeah, I don't know if there's been any others. No, I mean maybe he's been. made maybe he's made a few, but I I don't know. What they maybe. Are. Um, well, I always liked uh, was it Female Trouble? Oh yeah, that's um part of the trilogy, isn't it? The Trash trilogy yeah. and Desperate Living is the other one. Desperate Living was always was he almost good. made Pink Flamingos too. He actually had a script which I think you can find online called Flamingos Forever. And problem was that, and and Troma put up money for it. They were going to distribute it, but 
Divine declined and Edith Massey had just passed away. So John Waters was like, what do I, I can't do it I without those. My, yeah. yeah, I don't have my company. That's it. But in 2014, he did make a film called Kitty Flamingos. Have you heard of that? No. And essentially what it is, it's a properly filmed table reading of Pink Flamingos, the original script, with like six, seven, eight-year-old kids in the roles and they're wearing wigs while they do it and it's all on film. Amazing. Yes. Um, I want to watch that because like, you know, the... Lick my balls, mama. I want to see how they address that. Did you go and see him when he came out to Melbourne? I didn't. I've seen his live stuff on DVD, and um, he would be good value. He would be good value. He'd be. It's. He's a very engaging public speaker. Yeah, sort of a. He was like. I mean, he was controversial in the seventies. You know, for all the right reasons, he was transgressive. He was a leader of a counterculture. Yeah. And my, I think I told you, my dad saw Pink Flamingos like two hundred times because he worked at the the Palace Cinema. <laughs> he's an usher. <laughs> Usher, fucking get over here. Yeah. Shine your torch on that cunt's head. <laughs> but Pink I Flamingos. I knew it. Pink Flamingos, I bring it up because it's the perfect sign-off and that is uh, that is what we're going to do. So before we go, quick thanks to Jarrett, Guillermo, Joe, Chad and James. And of course, don't forget to find us on Facebook, as I said, and YouTube. More fun videos coming at you this week. Don't forget, a big thank you to the writers at Variety Magazine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kudos is what you would say. Kudos, because thank you. Because without your... Uh... <laughs> In-depth articles, I'd have nothing to get angry about. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, if you want something to get angry about, you can watch Chloe and myself at 10.30 on Wednesday night doing our Up Late. We play trivia games and all signs, all, all sorts of fun. I'm already in bed. There you are, for sure. I mean, it's, it's still there for you to watch at any time of the day. You know, whenever <laughs> oh, really? You want to. <laughs> Not live? Um, ben, it's been a pleasure, mate. Do you have any final words before we uh, wrap this baby up? No, I'm just I'll just sit here and wait for the for the Eggman. Okay, well this is uh, here it is. It's the uh, the infamous dancing asshole scene from uh, Pink Flamingos, and, and if you know, you know it is the Surfing Bird by the Trash Men. What a perfect name for a band! Uh, see you later, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Adios. Adios. I went everybody's head about the bird.